I'd like for you to finish this sentence. And those who are watching online, we welcome you to church. And I would like for you to finish the sentence there in your home as well. So it's a sentence you're probably familiar with. I hope you can finish it without even giving it very much thought. You probably have heard this proverb or this saying before. So finish this sentence. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man... Absolutely. How many got it right? Raise your hand. All right, just about all of you. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Apparently, I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm 0 for 3 on that one. But that proverb is attributed to, do you know who? Do you know who first said that? Ben Franklin. Not the Apostle Paul, Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin appeared in, uh, that saying appeared in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1735. And here we are in 2020 and we still know what that proverb that he said. Now, it would be nice if it was that easy, wouldn't it? It would be nice if you could go to bed early and get up early and all of your problems would be solved. But that old proverb from Ben Franklin does raise an important question. And here's the question. Is there anything that you could do every day that would have a positive impact on your life? Here's the question again. Is there anything that you could do every day, kind of as a daily discipline? Is there anything you could do every day that would have a positive impact on your life. That's what I want to talk to you about today. The title of the message today is, The Very Best Way to Live. I want to tell you the very best way to live your life. You see, the way that you live your life matters because it affects you, the way you live your life affects your family, and it affects your relationship with God. Now, there is a book in the Bible that is dedicated to show us the best way to live our lives. That book in the Bible is found in the Old Testament, and it is the book of Proverbs. Would you open God's Word to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs provides us insight for every area of life and every stage of life. Now, I know that many of you are studying the book of Proverbs in Bible study fellowship. In your BSF classes, you're looking at different chapters. One chapter you're not looking at in BSF is in chapter 2, and that's where we're going to land today. Over the years, I've developed a habit of reading a chapter a day from Proverbs that corresponds to the day of the month. For example, uh, yesterday was July 4th, so I read Proverbs chapter 4. And so I've developed that habit, that discipline of reading the Proverbs. I don't do it every month, but, but I have that habit and that discipline of from time to time reading through the book of Proverbs corresponding to the day of the week. So, on Thursday, July the 2nd, I was reading Proverbs chapter 2, and I was impressed with the practical advice that I found there. In fact, since Thursday, I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours looking at the practical advice in Proverbs chapter 2. And there's two words that I want you to focus on. If you're writing notes down, I'm going to give you two words. They're not really big words, but they are important words that you'll see addressed in Proverbs chapter 2. One is the word wisdom. You'll see that throughout the book of Proverbs, but especially in Proverbs chapter 2, the word wisdom, and we'll talk about what all that means. And the second word is the word path, path. Those two words are very, very important. So if you have your Bibles, open God's Word, if you haven't already, Proverbs chapter 2. Using those two words, I want to use that kind of as a map, 
as we walk all the way through Proverbs chapter 2. Here's the first thing I want to show you from Proverbs 2, and that is wisdom shows us how to live life well. Wisdom, that's, that's the first word I want you to focus on. Wisdom shows us how to live life well. Now, you need to understand, if you don't already, the book of Proverbs was written by a man named Solomon, and it was written to his son primarily, trying to help his son live life well. And in fact, when you read the 31 chapters of Proverbs, you'll find the word wise or wisdom over 125 times in those, 21, in those 31 chapters. Now, just think about that for a moment. Let that settle in for a moment. Over 125 times in 31 chapters, you see this word again and again, the word wisdom. You know, nearly every day the headlines tell the stories of people who crash and burn in life. And many times it's people who have everything you could ever want, and yet they like the one thing they need most, and that's wisdom. They may have all the money that they could ever want, all the fame that you could ever want, and yet their lives crash and burn because they lack the one thing they need most, wisdom. Let me define wisdom for you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Wisdom is a God-given understanding of how to live life well. A God-given understanding of how to live life well. Make sure you you mark, underline, a God-given understanding. Wisdom is not just that you're a smart person. It's not that you have a a good IQ. Wisdom is a God-given understanding of how to live life well. Maybe I can shorten the definition for you this way. Wisdom is skill for living. Skill for living. But it's living God's way instead of your own way. James 3 tells us about a wisdom that comes from heaven. That is, it is a wisdom that comes from God. Now, see if you agree with this. Maybe you want to honk your horn or say amen for me today. All right, you ready? See if you agree with this. If God is powerful enough to save us, He is certainly smart enough to know the best way to live. Doesn't that make sense? If God is powerful enough to save you for eternity, surely He's smart enough to show you how to live tomorrow. That's actually what Psalm 2 is all about. We all have a choice in the way that we live our lives and three times in the first four verses, you're going to see a very small word. It's the word if. Let's read the text. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, this is Solomon speaking to his son, trying to give him counsel. My son, here's the first if. If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight, there's the second if. And cry aloud for understanding. And if, there's the third one, you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives what, church? For the Lord gives wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, the reason I called your attention to those words, if, in verse 1, verse 3, and verse 4, is because what that word is indicating is, it's up to you how you live your life. It really is up to you. So, if you will do these things, if you will follow this instruction, if you will follow this counsel, then your life will be different. See, it's up to you how you live your life. And that's what he's talking about when he says in verse 2, turning your ear to wisdom. 
You see, who you turn your ear to will play a big role in how you live your life. I'm going to ask you a question. Who are you turning your ear to today? Who have you been turning your ear to this week? If you're not careful, you will turn your ear to the whispers of the enemy. And the enemy will tell you, you're not good enough. And the enemy will tell you, you're a failure. And the enemy will whisper into your ear that you need to quit. And he will whisper into your ear that things will never change. He will whisper into your ear that you just need to walk away. He will whisper into your ear that no one loves you and no one cares for you. And let me tell you something. The ability, the ability to discern a truth from a lie comes from your willingness, watch this, to turn your ear to wisdom. Look at verse 3 and 4. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for, what's that next word? Cry aloud for what? In other words, there's some things you don't understand, but you believe God does. There's some things you can't comprehend, but you know God does. So you're crying aloud for that God-given wisdom. Verse 4, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Verse 3, he talks about prayerfully seeking God's wisdom. Notice how he talks about calling out for insight and crying aloud for understanding. That is that there are days when you are prayerfully seeking this wisdom from God. And then in verse 4, he's talking about this single-hearted devotion to discovering and doing what is right. Because in verse 4 he says, if you look for it for like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, there's the single-hearted devotion to seeking and doing what is right. And I love verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6 says, when you live that way, when you seek wisdom from God, He honors your efforts. Look what it says in verse 5 and 6. Then, it's an important transition word, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And look at verse 6. This one ought to be highlighted in your Bible. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. For the Lord, watch this, gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If God is strong enough to save you, He is smart enough to show you how to live your life. Now, I want to look a little closer at another word in these first five verses that we've read past. We've looked at the little word, if. Now I want to look at those first five verses again and look at the small word, you. That pronoun, you or your. My son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you and turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Here's the question. Who's responsible for your walk with God? You are. It's all over those first five verses. Who's responsible for learning and living God's Word? You are. You see, there's a price to pay if you want to have spiritual wisdom. But listen to me, there's an even greater price to pay if you don't get spiritual wisdom. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Biblical wisdom is simply receiving from God the wisdom or the skill I need that day for life's events and circumstances that I'm facing. My, my daughter 
uh, Kelly just recently bought an old set of Britannica Encyclopedia. You remember those? This was from the 40s. You know, I remember when they used to go door to door, knock on your door and, and sell you a set. And if you had a set of Britannica Encyclopedias, you had all the knowledge you needed. It was right there within your grasp. I didn't, when she told me she bought a set, I said, honey, you do know all that's on the internet, right? All that and more. She said, daddy, I want it because it's an old set. But now listen to me. Hear me well. Wisdom doesn't mean that you have this encyclopedic knowledge of everything. Wisdom means that I have the knowledge that I need for what I'm facing today. It's a big difference there. When we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about the ability to face what is in your path today in a godly way. Now there's an encouragement, a great encouragement in verse 7 and 8. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. In other words, if you take God seriously, he will do likewise. And it says that he will guard you. Look at verse 8. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. I want to ask you a question today. It's just kind of a, a question of application, if you will. What is the one area of your life that if you fully obeyed would kind of tear down all the barriers between you and the blessings that God wants to give you? Well, what is the one area of your life that if you applied biblical wisdom to that area and you obeyed what God showed you, what's that one area of your life that if you were to apply biblical wisdom and obey the Lord, it would tear down the barriers and you would have the receiving of God's blessings in your life? The very best way for you to live your life is to seek God's wisdom, and that simply means to say yes to God every day. But the second thing I want you to see about wisdom is this. We decide the path we will follow. Remember I said there's two words here in chapter 2 that we've got to really understand. One is wisdom. The second word that we really need to focus on and understand is the word path. We decide. God gives us wisdom. But we decide the path we will follow. You see, wisdom, wisdom isn't just knowing how to make the right decision. Wisdom is also a character quality. Please get this. Please don't miss this. When you and I pray for wisdom, it's not only that we would make the right choice, but it's also praying that God would make us into the right kind of people who would make the right choice. Does that make sense to you? That it's not just God show me how to do this today, but God shape me into the right kind of man so that I know what I'm supposed to do and that I continue to do what I'm supposed to do. So wisdom is not just that, that I make today's decision correctly, but it's shaping my character, that I'm becoming the kind of person who knows what God wants me to do. It's praying that God would develop our character so much so that we choose the right paths in life. Look at the text with me. Verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. Do you know someone who has godly wisdom? Can you think of somebody right now? Maybe they're already in heaven or maybe it's somebody that's still alive. But when you think of godly wisdom, you don't say it out loud, but, but who's that person that you think of? It's like, 
he or she, that is a person of great godly wisdom. Do you have somebody like that in your life, or have you had anyone like that in your life? For me, my dad was the godliest, wisest man I think I have ever known. Now, you need to understand, I've told you before, dad never graduated high school. In fact, I'm not even sure he ever went to high school. He dropped out, I think, in middle school so that he could go work in the mine and help his family. But even though dad was uneducated in the ways of the world, dad was educated in the word of God. And that shaped his character. And the more he chose the right path, the more it shaped the man that he was. It shaped his character. Even though he never graduated from high school, he just seemed to know how to do the right thing. He just seemed to know what the right thing was. He just seemed to have this ability to, to choose the right path. And even though he was just an, an appliance repairman, people would come to him and talk to him about their problems because they sensed, here's a man who knows the right path. And the Bible says in verse 9, when you seek God's wisdom, then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. Hey, do you know how a path is formed? A path is not formed by taking one step. A path is formed by continually walking in that direction. Over and over and over and over and over, continually walking in that direction. This past Friday, Lisa and I, uh, I was off on Friday and, and we went to... Um, Riley Moore Falls. I don't know if you've ever been there up in the Seneca, Westminster area. Riley Moore Falls. And as I was walking down that path, down to the beautiful falls, I got to think about all the people who had walked on that path. And I know that originally maybe somebody went through there with weed eater and, and tools and they shaped the path perhaps, but so many people had walked down that path and because they continually went down that path, they, it was a very clear path because so many people had walked that way. Here's one more you'd understand. If you look in verse 9, when it says every good path, that's not talking about a one-time decision. It's referring to continually walking in the right direction. Continually walking in the right direction. Wisdom is when I understand what I'm supposed to do today, and then I understand what I'm supposed to do tomorrow, and then I understand what I'm supposed to do the next day. And the more I do that, the more I continually find myself walking in the right direction direction. I find myself continually walking the right path, the good path. In fact, if you look in verse 9, that's exactly how it's referred to. It's referred as the good path. You know what's referred to the good path? Everybody looking over up in the, in the, uh, those watching online, let me tell you why it's a good path, because sometimes we choose the wrong path, and they're not very good sometimes, are they? Look at verse 10 and 11. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will do what, church? Understanding will do what? Guard you. Why do we need to be protected and guarded? Two reasons. Because not every path is good. See, here's the danger. When we fail to seek wisdom from God, we walk down the path that sometimes seems good to us. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So many times people go down a path that seems right to them, and in the end, it turns out to be disaster. We all have the tendency to say yes to our flesh. 
instead of saying yes to God. And when we say yes to our flesh, we tend to walk down the wrong path. And over time, our thoughts lead to choices, those choices lead to habits, and those habits lead to character. Every path that you take is a decision that you make, and every path that you take has a destination. It's taking you somewhere. Not every path is good. Not every destination is good. But the second reason we need to be protected and guarded by godly wisdom is because there are some people who want to pull us off the path we're walking. It's right there in the text, beginning in verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways. The, listen to that picturesque language. They leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways. And they want to encourage you to do, as, do that as well. Who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You see, there are some people that want you, to join, want you to join them in their sin. And if you don't seek godly wisdom, godly wisdom on how to live life every day, if you're not careful, somebody may talk you into following them down the wrong path. It may be a co-worker, it may be a boss, it may be someone that you've met online, but if you're not careful, you end up walking down a road that leads to heartache and destruction because not every path is a good path. It goes on to, to, to describe it even more uh, in the next verses. It says also, verse 16, it will save you also from the adulteress. Wisdom will. It will save you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who's left her partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths, there's that word again, her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. I want you to notice before I close the power of words. The wicked man uses perverse words according to the text. The adulteress uses seductive words. Can I say to you, Satan can talk you into a lot of things through others? You know what I'm talking about? If you're not careful, Satan can talk you into a lot of things through others. Our greatest regrets in life are usually those times when we listen to somebody else instead of God. James 3.15 speaks of that kind of wisdom. It says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is unearthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. You see, get ready to honk your horn here. Get ready, please, help me. Your biggest mistake in life was not the sin you committed. Your biggest mistake in life was ignoring God's wisdom that could have saved you from that sin. Ignoring God's wisdom. Taking the wrong path. And every path has a destination. Sometimes we get to the destination and we wonder, how did I ever get here? How did I ever get in this situation? How did I ever get into this condition? I'm going to summarize my sermon in one sentence. The best way to live your life, the best way to live your life is to spend your days saying yes to God. Seek wisdom from God each day and respond by walking in obedience. And when you do that, you'll find yourself walking on the good path. 
You always wanted to walk on. You see, God shows us how to live life well, but we choose the path we will take. Won't you bow your heads with me? Let's pray about that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these dear people who, many of who know you personally as Lord and Savior, may you help them to have the wisdom tomorrow to live life well. May they seek your wisdom instead of their their own fleshly desires. May they seek your wisdom instead of their own human wisdom. May they prayerfully call out to you and ask for your direction. And may you show them the good path to take. I pray for those here in the sanctuary, those watching online. God, would you help us all to say yes to you. Whether that is a first yes of salvation, a first yes of I need Jesus in my life and I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Or maybe it's just a series of yeses as we walk through life as you with our Lord, our Master. Give us wisdom to discern what's good and what's best and to live life wisely. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.